You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community. As always, I am your host, Ben Wolf. Very excited today to share with our guest uh, how to find an interim executive when you need one. Uh, and remind everybody who is listening or watching this on YouTube or on your podcasts, wherever you get them, to make sure and subscribe to uh, subscribe to this wherever you're listening. Leave a review. That definitely helps more people get access to this and helps me, you know, kind of get up in the search results and, and have more people have access to the value that we are sharing with business owners here. So please make sure to do that. And with that, I want to get on to introducing our guest today. Uh, he is the co-founder and CEO of Interim Execs, which matches organizations around the globe with top interim executive talent. Uh, he personally has helped uh, transform a number of companies and get through existential crises as an interim CEO over the years. Uh, he's the author of How They Did It, Billion Dollar Insights from the Heart of America, uh, which is available on Amazon. I'm going to share a link to that in the description below or in the social media posts. He has helped launch, grow, and ultimately sell a number of fast-growing companies. You could find out more about him at interimexecs.org. That's interimexecs.org. And with that, I give you Bob Jordan. Welcome, Bob. Hey, Ben. Thanks so much for that kind introduction, and thanks for having me on your show. My pleasure. Very happy one, to have one you. One mechanical thing. Tomorrow, we're actually switching to interimexecs.com, but for now, oh. .org is great. Okay. Well, by the time this goes live, it will be, it will be .com. I hope, so, I hope uh, if it all goes well, yes. Okay. Well, I will, we'll put it .com on there, uh, or you'll let me know afterwards if that's not the case, but, uh, but you know, just keep me updated on that, and we'll make sure that in the social media posts and in the description, it's uh, the correct option, whether it's interimexecs.com or .org. Um, but I want to do, I want to definitely ask you, um, if you don't mind sharing like a quick two minute background on yourself, kind of give us a picture of how you got to be where you are now doing this stuff with interim executives. What, you know, how'd you get here? Give us a little context. Sure. Thank you. Uh, I guess I'm your classic entrepreneur. I've been involved in all kinds of early stage businesses. I, uh, well, originally dropped out of business school, start my first company. It was a publishing company. We had started a magazine called Online Access. Uh, it was the first consumer magazine around the world that covered first commercial online services, then bulletin boards, and ultimately the internet. I did that a number of years, sold it to a big publishing company, was trying to figure out what to do with act two of my life, and fortuitously met a guy who was one of the first interim CEOs in the US, a guy named Philip Monigo, and he handed me a card when he was telling me what an interim CEO was, and his new card said CEO of Yahoo. And uh, in the industry, we yeah, knew, that? well, we knew Yahoo was going to go public within uh, uh, a short time of its founding on zero revenue. And so what Philip described to me of the career was so fascinating. I came home. I bought two domains, interimceo.com and interimcfo.com, and I started doing gigs. Mm -hmm. I was doing that for a number of years. Social networks came around. I started wondering how many other people in the world were like me. We formed interim execs 12 years ago and started becoming a matchmaker, deploying executives around the world. And I stopped doing gigs and we developed a concept called Red Team rapid executive deployment, red team. Mm -hmm. And when and was that? 
when, when they were developed. <clears throat> six that. years ago. That was six years ago, and and so uh, that's what we've been doing ever since. Uh, very cool. So I want to dive into that a little bit more, and uh, but if you could first define for us and for those people who are not familiar with the concept, uh, people who, who listen to or watch this show are, you know, we've been talking a lot, especially in the last few months about interim, uh, I'm sorry, fractional leadership. Uh, so this interim executive is so, somewhat different concept. So I, I call it cousins, you know, <laughs> like, so what, define first, what is an interim executive? What does that mean? You can use interchangeably the words interim contract project-based. Um, we also use the word fractional. Fractional tends to be longer-term, part-time. But in all cases, they mm -hmm. refer to executives taking on project-based roles as opposed to permanent full-time employment. Right, okay. And what I'm curious, what, what percentage of the time are people, like what percentage of the time is this full-time? Interim, but full-time versus, versus fractional or part-time, whatever you want to call it? That's a great question. That is so situational for both the needs of the organization, the client that shows up, and the makeup of the executive. So for example, executives who tend to specialize in turnaround, uh -huh. fixing broken companies, Usually, you will hear those executives describe their careers that it is very linear. They, they do only one gig at a time. Mm -hmm. When they're engaged in fixing something, it's a 24-7 round-the-clock effort to save. They're not going into trivial situations. They're going into really messed up things that need help right now. So those situations you will hear, it's going to be linear. For a lot of executives, though, they can pursue multiple clients in parallel, mm -hmm. uh, especially when they're growth cases, if they're early stage, if they're just much more specialized kind of project roles. Mm -hmm. Right. And would, would you say in your experience what the breakdown is like of, uh, of, of, those, of those scenarios? Either the turnarounds or, or the full times versus-, versus Well, those. I can tell you, in our in our um, particular world, based on our stats, about one third of all inquiries are distressed based, and two thirds right. we would say are not truly distressed based. Okay. Um, now, as, as opposed to the hundred percent measure, I can tell you, we we just did a survey um, end of last year, beginning of this year, we surveyed six hundred interims around the world. And the average engagement was about eight and a half months. Uh -huh. So, you know, that, that's between the that's 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 both full time and and fraction. Yeah, and in our world, we don't we generally say full on as opposed to full time. Okay. Because full time, a lot right. of people in the world assume means you're Implies, getting a paycheck, right, and a salary, yeah. and and yeah. all of that. And so we try to be specific, saying, "Are you full on?" Right. Um, uh, yeah, you don't want to use right. No, it makes sense. You don't want to use confusing terminology. Um, so, so let's describe. And I, you know, there may be two general scenarios here, but you say a little bit more about like what are the kind of situations that people are finding themselves in before they're calling you. What are the situations? What are the problems that they're facing? That's a great question. When we do case studies afterwards, what you're describing, we call the blood in the streets. 
um, what's the situation? What's the situation? Yeah. Um, there are the obvious use cases, which is to say someone's just gone. There's a gap right. in a leadership the CEO role. CEO quits or somebody gets sick all of a sudden. Exactly. Yeah, someone gets sick, dies, fired, whatever. Right. That is a common use case. Sometimes that's substantive and sometimes uh, it's a check the box kind of function that we don't really want to be involved right. in. So for example, you see a lot of press releases. Right. Not, uh, a, not just a plate, you don't want to be a placeholder. That's no, not, exactly. That's not what your people are there for. Yeah, and so you, you'll see a lot of press releases, public companies, they'll say, uh, you know, huge companies, and they'll say somebody was appointed the interim CEO. Invariably, they've chosen someone from the board who literally is a placeholder, is not going to be making any decisions at all other than mm -hmm. to sign off on the financials. Right. That's not what we mean, and that is not this industry as its own category. Right. It, it's much more described as operating executives, at least in our definition, operating executives who are over time taking on responsibility and authority to hire and fire and make decisions. Right, actual decision-making authority. Absolutely. As distinguished from the world of consulting. So, so what, what else, right? So you have these like blood in the street situations or somebody leaves in a, in a, in a, in a crazy situation and you need an operating executive, what else? So other kinds of use cases, that's the obvious one. Right. The good kinds of use cases are, for example, a new product launch and the management team has never faced it before and doesn't have the right caliber of talent. Mm -hmm. The need for fundraising um, mm. to launch, the need to go into new markets, to go into international markets. There are all kinds of, of good things companies go through that just aren't part of the normal operation day-to-day -day of the business. Now for, for companies that, are, that have an owner or a family in ownership, you've got other things going on. You could have generational change in control. And if the next generation isn't ready, that company may go through a sale. Mm -hmm. You have businesses rapidly growing. They may need to go through an IPO. Right. You need so someone, are, who's, someone who's done that before you, they need. Exactly. Exactly. Now, I think one thing that's that I think would help give people who are listening like a better picture of when this is a good solution for them or you know for or for their friends is like what are some situations where people are calling you or inquiring with you guys and and you're telling them mm, this is not right. This is not right for you. This is not a good fit. What are some of those situations? Well, sometimes it's 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 downright evil. I mean, you do have- What do you mean evil? You have con artists, you have people who have control of businesses and, and they're looking for a, uh, a highly qualified, experienced executive with a great reputation to kind of get in front of them. And uh, this is the beauty of the internet, being able to do research and background on people. What? But, but at, at the extreme end, we've absolutely had calls from people who, uh, you would want to cross to the other side of the street if you knew who they were. So do you now have as part of your process, a background check on any clients who reach out to you? I wouldn't say literally background check, but um, you absolutely, you know, we, we have very smart people in our organization and, you know, by definition, working with executives who are, who are very smart and experienced yeah. and can kind of see around corners. And, and right. so, see what's really happening and there's some red flags that are going off. Oh, absolutely. And, and um, usually we want that upfront so we can make our own yeah. good 
diligence decisions to reject them. There is right. that percentage. It's not large. There's a larger percentage also on the negative side that <clears throat> they're just plain flaky. Uh, they're, they're people trying to be opportunistic whose businesses are not of size, not sufficiently funded, but they're taking a flyer. They're just hoping someone will buy into their vision. Um, I don't even mean legitimate startups. I just mean people who are whatever. Um, so you have that. Then you start getting into the legitimate side of things, which is companies that have significant sales earnings or lack of earnings, but they have a market, they have viable products and services. And I would describe it generally as the lower middle market on up to the middle market. So however you want to define that, is that 25 million revenue, 50 million? <clears throat> is it going up to 500 million to a billion? You're in a good healthy range for these executives. Uh, it, it, it just doesn't play too small. And frankly, it doesn't play too large. You get into the Fortune 100 and you're looking at succession plans so deep that uh, in most cases, they're not. We don't consider that to be a big right. market. And what, and Private again, equity what, is a big market. Family, uh -huh. um, family owned is good. Uh -huh. and, what's, and, what's, and again, what's too small typically? Most startups would never uh, be able to swing this. They, e even to convince an executive to, you know, a veteran executive to um, forego most of the cash-based fee, the background of right. most of these executives is not startups. And so they, they tend to come from the exact same background as you probably always heard about private equity. You know, private equity tends to break into these four major buckets manufacturing, business services, healthcare, technology. And if you look at the background of a lot of successful interims, they tend to come from one of those four mm -hmm. backgrounds, either manufacturing, business services, healthcare, or tech. Mm -hmm. and, and then if people are, you know, when people are bringing on an, an, an interim, what are they, like, what, is, what do the results look like? And again, whenever you could bring in examples, I think that would, that would help make it more concrete. But what, you know, what does it look like? What are they accomplishing when they get there? What, if, what do people expect when they bring on an interim executive? Well, um, not too much of an ad, but we, we have testimonials on the website, including right. video. And, and I mean, this is where, you know, I feel like I'm doing God's, God's work because you'll hear companies sometimes turn around, sometimes not. But for example, we were approached by uh, a family owns um, a lot of uh, farmland in California and they mm -hmm. grapes and they started a packaging company uh, for the grapes and called up because the packaging business had completely broken down. The equipment was broken down. They'd, they'd laid off all 150 workers. Uh, mysteriously, the, mm. the former executive had decided to retire and they were showing a lot of losses they could not explain. Uh, we we put in one of our red team executives and within eight weeks, uh, equipment was back up and running, 150 people rehired, top two outside customers came back in. It swung uh, completely over back into uh, healthy profits uh, within three months. And so we're doing good work there. We have other organizations that would say we, you know, Thanks to an executive we brought in, one organization said we had caused a billion dollar plus increase in their fortunes over time from one CEO decision. 
Wow. So that's wow. what we're trying to do. Right. And right. You're bringing people in who've, you know, they've been in this situation before you talk about these family businesses or, or you know, or situations where people want to scale uh, or obviously, you know, certainly these situations, we have a complete vacuum of, you know, of, of authority for some reason. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, Ben, one, one thing that came out of the blue, because my whole background had been technology and, you know, thinking about IPOs and M&A. And mm -hmm. when we flipped the switch on, we got calls from nonprofits as well as uh, private and public companies. And it never occurred to me that any nonprofit would call us. And, and then it was like, oh yeah, they need good leadership too. Right. And so we started developing and cultivating um, a set of executives who were completely dedicated to really? nonprofit improvement. Interesting. Um, there also is, there are some executives who cross over who can still be good in those roles. We, we never make a lot of money at it, um, or we haven't yet, but great karma points. And right. you really are helping organizations, you know, when it, when, when the match is good. And, and again, there are testimonials people can see on the site, but um, it's wonderful. You're, you're helping good causes out. And uh, it's invariably in those cases that an executive director or CEO is gone and the organization just, they, they probably need something transformational, but they have to get to the next permanent person. And a nonprofit, I now know from uh, a lot of friends who do permanent headhunting, you're looking at a nine-month process. Mm -hmm. So what's going to happen at organization right. in nine months? And so, so we've seen some wonderful transformational things by bringing in execs who not only help the organization, but they're then helping recruit and yeah. onboard the and next permanent what, leader. Right. And they know what to look for in that person. And they could set them up to be at, at a much better place than they would otherwise by the time that full-time person comes in. It's not just lost time. Yeah. And, you know, well, I'll, I'll keep tooting our, our horn here. I mean, there are things that executives coming in can do that are far better done by someone who is not going to be sticking around for the next five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. Let's just what put it of, that way. Do you want to say well, more about that? Yeah. I mean, a lot of organizations, the boards don't want to take on things that are too painful. They may have somebody who's been there forever who shouldn't be there anymore. Yeah. And they just can't face decisions like that. Right. Private equity funds, we, there are organizations that are PE funds and look like that. And they may have portfolio companies that are in painful shape and they don't want to do the necessary painful thing, right. which is sometimes you have to sell it or you have to shut it down or you have to let somebody go if it's going to grow. And, right. and that could be really hard to put as a burden on the next permanent person right. in the role. And frankly, a lot of those permanent right. people don't want to walk into uh, a storm. Right. And being uh, the bad guy or bad. Being the or, bad guy in, yeah. in most organizations, they don't want to present to the new executive like, like things are terribly wrong. Challenging, sure, but not out and out wrong. Right. So, right. They don't have to be the one that did that. Yeah. That tough. On Europe, interim has been around Europe far longer than in the U.S. And uh, we were why talking. Why is that? Why did it? Why did it evolve there earlier? Well, it's a good question. We we were talking to one of our execs in the Netherlands that this started. Arguably, the Netherlands. Netherlands was the first country, um, and 
he said, you know, there are very few major corporations here. And if an executive is being handed a new assignment and there's a significant risk it's gonna go wrong, that executive doesn't want their career to mm -hmm. be destroyed right. over this one thing. And so they far rather this idea that someone comes in who wasn't gonna stick around, was mm -hmm. not vested in the organization and could either cause a good result or not, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't have the same taint as somebody who was right. trying to advance in the organization. I thought that's interesting because that's not the American mindset. Not the American mindset. I don't think so. I think most of, Americans- In terms of interims, you mean? Or No, mean? I think in general, most American executives, um, because, because we have such a huge market and such abundance of corporations and industries and size and scale and, avail and access to capital, I think most American business people uh, trying to rise through the ranks could have the attitude that something challenging is like, bring it on. What's right. the worst that could happen? And I think you it's think, more of so, you, so do you think it's, it's, it's mainly related to that, just the size of the market, that that's, the, that that's why it didn't evolve here? Number much? of opportunities. Um, I, I think that in Europe, there are fewer and more concentrated major corporations. You could make the same argument now in the US around technology, but in general, you have more constrained capital and fewer bigger corporate entities in Europe. And so therefore, if you're an executive, you could view your career opportunities as being more limited. Right. I think the US just historically has had so much more startup activity and access to capital. Right. And a lot of executives, especially since the internet bubble can see not only advancing in the traditional way, but can see that, you know, there's a world if they don't stay at large corporations. Right. And now you have this new thing, interim, which is a completely, you know, new career path that didn't exist in the US 20 years ago. Really, it didn't. And now it's becoming its own category. Right. Now, what, what, what are you seeing with interim execs? Like what, what, what percentage of these interim executives are coming at kind of like an overall executive level, like COOs, CEOs type of things versus some of the more specialized things like CFO, CIO, CTO? What, what are you seeing as kind of like the percentage breakdown or like what, what's, you know, what's the breakdown there? Well, we'd put all of what you just said across a C-suite somewhat they're, they're all on that level, CEO, CFO, CIO, CTO, all of the, all of those C-level right. uh, we put into one category. And, and uh, we are, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, we're getting back a result given the fact that we only deal at, at that C-level. Right. And well, I'm so, saying, but even within the C-level, you know, obviously there's things that are overall like CEO and the things that are yeah, specialized. I mean, we're also, we publish so much. We tend to publish more around CEO and CFO topics. And so that for us tends to generate more search from companies saying, hey, we need a CEO or a CFO. Um, I don't know if in the market it means that. We also course work with CIOs, CTOs, CMOs, and all of that. Mm -hmm. But but our experience is, is that the two biggest requests are CEO or CFO. Okay. And and I guess the last thing I want to ask you on this topic is 
I know you have, and you mentioned this earlier, the, the red team, which you call, you know, developed six or seven years ago, the rapid executive deployment team. I know you've also created this association of interim executives, you know, a few years before that. What's the difference between them? What are they? We create, so here's, here's our evolution. 12 years ago, we created a free search site and it failed mm -hmm. utterly. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and when you've put, a, when you put years and over a million dollars into something, yeah. I'm not saying that with glee, I can smile now, uh, but right. it was painful. I mean, our whole premise was we live in a Google driven world. So everyone wants their information for free. Fine. We'll put up thousands of executives around the world and you can, in a second, you need a CFO in New York, type it in. Okay, we did that. And um, the, the breaking point was one day we got a call from a private equity fund and they said, we need a CFO. And my head explodes because they found, they saw the phone number on the site. And I said, you just needed to type in CFO and you would have had, you know, I don't know, a thousand results. Right. And the PE guy said, no, we want you to tell us who to hire. Right. And I thought we got it a hundred percent wrong, a hundred percent wrong. And so we then spent the next three years creating the opposite, highly vetted, curated, uh, and, and maybe first concept in the world. There are, there are associations in European countries individually. We created something called association of interim executives and did that for a couple of years and realized that was also the wrong model for a lot of reasons. So that's they, not a thing anymore. Is that what you're saying? No, that's okay. correct. Okay. Yeah. And it was, and it was also the wrong model because there are many associations where the presumption is that if you get in, you've been given this status. Right. And what we realized was, right. but only the red team are the ones for you guys that have that status. Right. We realized that just because you could pay us and it doesn't even matter how much you pay us, that doesn't mean you're good. Right. If you're not, and if good, you're not doing some sort of vetting. Yeah. It was, and, and, and good is a, is a really long explanation of what it takes to be great doing this work. It is not simply that you had a great corporate career. That is not enough by far. That is not enough to have success as an interim doing this work. Well, what demonstrates that an interim, I, I know there was one other question I want to ask you before we, before we end and we're running out of time a little bit, but what, what is, what would you say is the main headline for what differentiates what's going to make someone a great interim versus what made them a great executive full-time? Well, a lot of execs, you know, they're disappointed to hear this when they're at the beginning of their new career doing this, but, um, a uh, bit of a catch 22, which is you had to have had success either in a corporate career or an entrepreneurial career. You rose high and did great things, measurable things, accountable things, not just rising in the ranks, but things where you could say, I took this business from 10 to hundred. I took it from a billion to five billion, whatever it is. Then you had to go out on your own and take on projects and win in those projects in a measurable way. I went to this portfolio company from this fund. I took it from 30 to 90. I helped them sell it for 12 times earnings. Okay. And this is where I say, sorry, but it's not fair 
and we're not really an employment agency because a lot of executives show up and they think, I'm great. And even though I've never done this, I'm sure I could do it. Well, you may be sure, but I don't know that that means we're going to test you out on a client. Right. And this is where it's a very difficult decision for a lot of executives, which is, are you committed to it? Because if you're committed to it, then come hell or high water, you're going to do these projects and you're going to succeed. And then someone like us will decide to work with you for, for years right. and years to come. But not, but not beforehand, before that, Usually not. before that demonstrated success. There, there is, there are those rare cases where somebody shows up and they haven't done it before and it, it still works, but it is much more common that the executive already was doing it when they applied to us. Right. Understood. And, and there's one other thing I wanted to cover, which is, which is, I know you have, you have a big, you know, so, some big news in something that you're involved in as a passion project. Uh, that there was a, a book you just came out with uh, on Audible of, uh, where, where you recorded the audio. And, and tell us about that project. I'm really, I think people are going to find this very cool. You're, you're a kind man, Ben. I, I had a, a, a partner for 20 years. His name is Jim Camp. He was a negotiations coach. Uh, he helped me earlier in my career when I was getting hammered by venture capital investors and just wonderful mentor. Um, and he had a workbook and I convinced him to give me the workbook, see if I could get it published. Penguin Random House, um, published it years ago. It's called start with no. Oh. And, you know, as we all know, audio trends, here we are Ben on your podcast, yeah. audio trends over the text version of books at least 10 times. And so, um, with Penguin Random House, we just came out with the unabridged audio version that's on Audible of Start With No, and I got to narrate it. And wow. Jim passed away a couple of years ago, and so this was just, it was great. Just a great, great, tribute. great tribute to a wonderful person. And the advice was timeless. His advice on negotiating is something I think is so vital for all of us, and especially people who are young in their careers, um, that it's just painful. They just, you know, people young in their careers just tend to get hammered by people right. or taken advantage of. And, and so um, um, thank you for uh, letting me mention that. I'm just thrilled that it came out. Yeah. Oh, well, congratulations on that. And uh, yeah, definitely keep us posted on whether it's interimexecs.com interim or .org. And uh, I think that it's, it's, look, it's great work that you're doing. I'm very happy that, you know, we're able to have you on. And I think it's a great tool that more people should be aware of and more people should know about. And, um, and so I appreciate you coming on the, on, on the win-win show and talking about it. Thank you, Ben. God bless. I really appreciate it. You too. Thank you so much. And I appreciate what you were able to share today and we will uh, see everybody else on the other side. Thank you very much. You're listening to win-win an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.